I don't make a particular distinction between high art and low art. Music is there for everybody. It's a river we can all put our cups into and drink it, and be sustained by it. John Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, and variations thereupon, these are the soundtracks we love, and this is Modern Escapism. Hello, my name is the Fiddler on the Podcast Roof, Oodles, and today I am joined by the man once described as the ethereal bagpipe, Stig. Hello. Also, the horn that lit the beacons himself, it's Gadget. Hello. And last, but by no means least, his milkshake once brought all the boys to the yard, it's Biggie. (laughs) Good evening. Are we all all right, boys? Yeah, I'm, yeah con- right. I'm, con- I'm concerned about how Biggie managed to get the boys from the yard through <laughs> be- process and doing it. Or he beckoned just- them, just going <laughs> playing his you little. You ain't see me loot. do my truffle shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Khalees, you know, on the video, on the on that actual video, when she's like on the on the um, the count top. That's what Biggie's yeah. doing. La 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 la. <laughs> if you sign up for my OnlyFans, you can see what that's like. <laughs> so, um, what have you been up to, Stig? What I have been up to this week is last night I watched a really great documentary um, by Tim Wardle. It's called Three Identical Strangers. Oh. So this is a 2018 documentary. It's on Netflix at the moment, and it's about the lives of Edward Gallard David Kelman and Robert Shaffron. Hmm. A set of identical triplets adopted as infants by separate families. Ooh, I haven't come across this. But going with, with the lead up to what it is, and this is all within like the first five or ten minutes of, of the documentary. It's basically the, the premise of the trailer and everything, is that one of the brothers, forgive me, I forget which one, goes to a community college mm-hmm. and he gets there. And everybody's really nice to him to the point of like overly nice. Oh, hey, you've come back. How are you doing? Hugs, kisses, <laughs> high fives. Like, I'm, I'm so glad you came back. And he's like, what the hell's going on? Like, no one's ever this nice to pe- new people at school. Like, this is weird. Since he gets to his, his dormitory and he's unpacking all his stuff and this guy comes to the door. And the first words that come out of this guy's mouth is, were you adopted? He's like, yeah. He's like, were you born on this date? Yeah. <laughs> and and it's it's got talking heads. And it's and as they're doing the talking heads, it's doing like a reenactment as well, watching, you know, you're yeah. watching this. And the guy who asked him if he's adopted says, it was just look, like looking at this, he's double. He looked wow. exactly the same. Everything, the smile, the eyes, his hair, everything was the same. And so he tells him about this other guy that you, that came here last year who said he, he wasn't coming anymore and he wasn't coming back. And that's why everyone was so happy to see him because they thought it, it was the other one, the other brother. So he gets on the phone, he starts talking to this other brother, they go to meet, and it becomes a huge story in America. 
about the, the, the two twin brothers who found each other by happenstance because yeah. one decided to go to the same college that the other one was at the year before. Honestly, I, I didn't know about any of this, but it was apparently a huge story in America, all over the papers, all over the you know news and everything. So then what happens is one of the, the third brother doesn't know anything about this until somebody sees it in the paper and they oh. see him staring back at him it's two twins and they go to him and they show him this paper and say, what the hell is going on? And sure enough, he's the same. It looks exactly the same, born on the same date. All of them came from the same adoption agency and they found out that all three of them were just separated at birth and adopted into different families. And somehow they just came together. chances in that. Yeah. And, oh. and they were honestly paraded around America on all the talk shows, on... Uh, they had like their own little special that they did this interview with where they had like huge crowds of people asking them questions. Yeah. And it just, they're all they're saying, yeah, we're the same. We like this. We're like this. We, we smoke the same brand Weed. of cigarettes. <laughs> we, we, we like the same kind of women. We dress the same. Our mannerisms are the same. But we only met each other this year. Like we've only <sighs> just met each other. And it's this crazy story. And you're watching this and you're like, wow, this is mental. How? Like these guys did not know each other existed for 19 years. Their parents did not know the others existed. And they just, because one decided to go to this community college, like it just changed their lives forever. And the first always comes down to confidentiality, doesn't it? When they get adopted, you know, they can't know about each other. And, you know, it's just this very strange sort of confidential thing. That's always done at the beginning. And unfortunately, after the first 15 minutes, after the whole, this is amazing. I can't believe like this kind of story happened. Um, maybe about 20 minutes. So it takes a real dark turn. Whoa. Mm. Like I'm not going to go into any of it. No, no. And I don't want anyone to read up about this. You really need to watch this and see what the hell happened. Does it end up being, um, uh, oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say it because I think I yeah. might know what the story is actually. I, yeah. Yeah. I've not, not seen the documentary, but I've, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that, the the way it came about that they were separated and why they were separated, it's really dark and just mm, I think really I know what horrible. It is just and, by reading on it, and it was just such a fascinating like story because I I'm watching this thinking, hang on, they've told this story about all these brothers have come together within the first twenty minutes. Mm. Yeah, like, like what's going to go on? How here? much more can you get out of this? Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just so an hour and a half of hugs and <laughs> yeah. kisses, and, and then they drop this, they drop this absolute bombshell on you, like wow that's that is dark and sinister and as a i'm just gonna throw this out there but i actually do find twins just a bit unnerving myself (laughs) (laughs) i think it's incredible the way identical twins naturally just have that almost there's no other word for identical look it just i find it really i went to school with a couple of twins and it they are they the mannerisms even their personalities can sometimes be slightly different but yeah, when they science is crazy, the same, man. Yeah, it's just and triplets, or even quite, you know, however long <laughs> you want to go down that line, it's just yeah. My ex-girlfriend was a twin. That was fun. I'm not going to say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, times. that's that's what I've uh, that's what I've done this week. Wow, excellent. Well, I'm, I'm definitely going to check that out because yeah, I think I know what it is, but I want to see it. Not actually read it. I want to see what it is. So yeah, yeah. Don't right read anything well. about it because it will yeah. just kind of 
spoil in a way spoil it, it but um it sounds interesting as a documentary, but it also sounds kind of like like a mid-season Doctor Who episode. Or an X-Files <laughs> one. Honestly, yeah. what the the story of the boys meeting sounds made up, but it yeah. wasn't. <laughs> what comes after that sounds made up, yep. it's not. And what comes after that sounds even further made up. And it's like, honestly, mm. it drops like these bombshells throughout the whole thing. You're just like, what the hell like Mint. happened here? Like. If you like that, crazy. not that obviously knowing the story, but um, if you haven't seen it, check out The Imposter. That's really yes. cool. Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah, I've seen yes. that one too. Yes. That blew my mind watching that. Yeah, I don't know how and, I got away with the, that. Um, and the Danny DeVito Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle, twins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they got away with that either. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on um, from triplets, we're going to go to the triplet himself, Biggie. What have you been up to? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Um, yeah, this week, thanks, mate. Um, I wanted to uh, discuss, uh, you'll be excited to know, about desktop icons. Uh, no, um, this week I'm going to talk I genu- about... I genuinely um... believed you then. I was like, fucking hell, not again. Yeah, sorry about last week, but I thought it was uh, just something I liked interesting. It. But um, yeah, this week I'm just going to talk about, um, I know it's the sort of the rule that should never be broken, but I'm going to talk about another podcast. <gasps> what? Yeah. There are others? There are. I mean, they're not as good as us. But... No. No, obviously not. But once I've listened to all of our own episodes, I need something to listen to. So, um, yeah, it's Kane and Rince. Never um, heard of it. Now, for, uh, I know most <laughs> of the people on this podcast and our listeners um, probably know who they are, but just in case you don't, it's a video games podcast. It's incredibly nerdy and all the better for it. It's uh, a bunch of guys who... Um, the rotor has changed over time, but um, it's been going since, I think, about 2011. And the yep. guys on the podcast have produced well over 400 podcasts. Yeah. And they just basically cover um, a game per episode. And um, what's interesting is sometimes they either go back and play it for that episode or they just purely go by memory. Um, but yeah, they, they just pick a game and just talk about it. Um, I, I it's love obviously, it. It's such a good podcast. Yeah, yeah they, they generally pick good titles, you know, um, sometimes a rare one will pop up in the list, but generally they'll, they'll just pick a game that people have either heard of, want to play, etc. Um, it is spoiler heavy, so yes. just be very aware that if you do decide to listen to an episode about a game you haven't finished, you might have it ruined for you, so be careful. But um, yeah, they, they, they all come from different backgrounds, different experiences, and as like we all four of us on here, if we've ever played the same game, we've all had a different way that we played it or did things. So mm. they obviously bring all that to the table. They don't always agree. So there's some friendly arguments that go on. Um, they do specials as well. If you sign up for the Patreon, um, they do some um, sort of um, more in-depth extended podcasts and things like that. But yeah, I love it. Um, I've got so many to listen to. Oh my God, my list. Yeah. I'm just picking games out. And once I've finished as well, I've been very careful about which ones I listen to. So yeah. Um, yeah. Not Final Fantasy VII, surprisingly enough. <laughs> I, I support them on Patreon, but I don't listen to every episode. I listen to the ones of games that I've either, like, pass, like, I've either played or I've got a passing interest yeah. in. Mm. Like um, this week's episode that was out on the Patreon feed was Dragon Age 2. Mm. Like, I hated that game. I don't think I want to listen to them talk about that for two, two and a half hours, but some of the, some of the ones I listen to are excellent. The, it's just come out on the, on the non-subscriber feed now, but Celeste... The Celeste podcast is amazing. Mm. It's so good. It's, it's a, a good game, though. Com- it helps. No, wait, no, it's, it's a good game, but that one is especially excellent because they talk about 
like the mental health side of Celeste's yeah. story, yeah, and they get quite deep into it, and it's it's re- they share a lot of personal things. For, like the four hosts on that episode, they share a lot of personal things as well. It's a really really good chat. I think I think the other one I listened to um, was the uh, Yakuza Zero one after I finished the game, yeah. mm. and you get like a mix of different opinions because one of the guys that had on there didn't really particularly like the game, even though he put like eighty hours into it. I, I can <laughs> um, relate to that. But then you had like um, uh, uh, Leah, Leah, she was on it, and she she utterly adores Kiryu and was like was like very very defensive of him. It's, it's just a <laughs> like a sub. Re- yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Kiryu's clearly her son. She loves him very much. <laughs> yes. But yeah, the they're, they're really, um, tweeted really out the well. other day. He reminded me that uh, Killzone two and three were covered on the. Yeah. So I was like, I forgot about that. So yeah, I went back and uh, listened we're, to that. We're, we're the quite positive about it, if I think. About uh, do you know what? Um, one of them is Jay, I think it was Jay Taylor. Uh, yeah. Really enjoyed yeah. the game. Um, Leon, not so much. Um, well, there's only but... two of you that like it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, three. Kurt liked it. Oh yeah, yeah. That's but they, uh, yes, they did. Um, but they, they talked about um, the issues that they had in the main game. But there was a lot of focus about the multiplayer, which is what I took many memories from. So I was happy. With I that. have to give a particular shout out to uh, Kane and Rince's Resident Evil podcast because they do Resident Evil better than Resident Evil podcasts. Oh, they do. <laughs> do you know they they I mean? really do. <laughs> they do it better. Like I'm, I'm like a super fan of the series. They even like six. I know, I know. But they, the comprehension, the, how comprehensive they are with it. Oh God, they could do yeah. their own Resident Evil podcast easily. Yeah, and I think what always comes across on their episodes as well is their just genuine love of gaming. Yeah. Like it's not like not there's no cynicism to any of it. Like they'll yeah. so they'll talk about games they don't like and they'll talk about games they they love and they adore or ones that they're just in the middle about. But it's all from this place of utterly adoring gaming. And the medium it's, itself, it's, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. How and infuriated it, it, the controls are on a specific game <laughs> and how it almost <laughs> broke them, you know. And you're like, yeah, yeah I had the same problem. Mm. You know? and, and and Leon Cox is he's very close to ASMR. Like his voice is so relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> If he, if he found out that you said that, he'd love that. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Sticky? Sorry? Uh, do you listen to him? Yes. Um, he I doesn't listen to you. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> You're not playing, <laughs> not playing <laughs> Valheim again, are you? <laughs> oh, no. No, I finished that this week, actually. Well, for now. For now. I'm for now. No, the final boss. Mm. Uh, no, yes, I have listened to him in the past. Uh, it's when I just kind of delve in and out um, when it's a game that, like I said, when I'm interested in it. Or they did a series of Metal Gear Solid and Doom. Oh, ones. So good. Yeah, I listened to them once. So, um, yeah, I jump jump on every now and again. It's very good. Cool. You can go back to your game now. Yeah, <laughs> 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 Anything else then, Biggie? Before we move no, on, that's it, buddy. Excellent. Okay. Oh, actually, I, no, I'll tell you something very quickly. I yeah. have discovered a game this week oh, go on. that I have been playing with my daughter, but I'm not going to say any more about it, and there's a good reason why, but oh. it's Gris. Oh, okay, okay. We'll leave, it, we'll leave that one on the shelf. We'll leave yes. that on the shelf. Excellent. Oh, yes, I know. Um, <laughs> so we'll move on to the birthday boy himself. <laughs> Happy oh, birthday, birthday to you. you. Oh, that's going to be such a cunt to edit, isn't it? Bringing you all out of sync. You have to leave it in. It's easy, just leave it in. Apart from being 29 today, as of recording, your 29th birthday, finally a 29 again. Wait, it's the sixth sixth anniversary of my 29th birthday, yeah. Yeah. What have you been up to, pal? Apart from blowing Um, out candles. 
So this week, um, I bit the bullet and I finally signed up for um, Apple TV Plus because there were some things on there I've wanted to watch for a little while. It's about time. Um, yeah, and also it turned out I got, a, I got a year of it free because I bought an iPhone in January. Mint. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> That's why I've got it even, still. <laughs> even better, you know. Um, uh, I started watching Mythic Quest. Raven's mm. Banquet this mm. week. What is um, this? I keep hearing about this. What is this? So, so Mythic, uh, Mythic Quest um, is a comedy show from the people behind uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Um, based around the developer of a massively multiplayer online game called Mythic Quest. Uh, it's called For Honor, actually, because they use For Honor in every yeah, single game. Yeah, they use For, For Honor for all the gameplay stuff. Um, but it stars uh, Rob McElhenney. McElhenney? McElhenney? McElhenney. McElhenney. That's it. Uh, Ashley Birch, uh, Jesse Ennis, David Hornsby, otherwise known as Rickety Cricket, because that is his name. Yep. Um, and uh, Danny Pudi from uh, Community. Yes. And it basically just follows the kind of the, the leadership team around this developer. And they are re- it's so funny because so, so Rob plays the studio head, the creative director, Ian Grin. Yeah. Spelled Ian. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say Ian. Yeah. Who is this he's a, he's, a, he's like a combination of like the kind of the, the, the worst, most media hungry um creative directors out there, like think like people like Cliffy B, uh from John Epic Games. Romero. And John Romero and people like that. He's like, the man is ego, but the man also knows what's fun, but yeah. he's not a very good developer. Yeah. So that's why you've got uh, Poppy, um, who is, she's the head of coding. Mm. Uh, Danny Pudi plays the head of marketing and the head of microtransactions. Oh, he's such so a he's, bastard. Oh, he's <laughs> such a dick. He's such a sl- But the thing is, the worst part is he's such a dick, but everything he says makes sense. Yeah, financially. Yeah, yeah. and uh, D- uh, David Hornsby playing um, the kind of, the the executive producer, so he asked him, you know, do handle the kind of differences between the business side and the he's development te- he's side. He's technically the office thing. boss, isn't he? But <laughs> yeah, but no one respects. No it. one respects. <laughs> it. I've been there as well before. Fuck you know. Yeah, and it's it's just really funny and really silly, but it's got a lot of heart to it, and it comes from a place of genuine love of gaming. Mm. Um, like they are never they never punch down on the hobby of gaming. They never punch down on. The, the idea of MMOs or... I mean, they punch down on YouTubers, but, I mean, fine. Yeah, fine. I'll punch down on YouTubers quite happily. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but all, all the characters have these kind of... Even though they're exaggerations of what you would expect from these people, they are seem to be reasonably realistic. Mm. No one is stereotyped. Um, there are some things that I notice about it that don't make sense, like the fact that they, they have a test team of two people for an MMO. That's <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. No, that doesn't happen. You tend to have more testers than developers. Yes. Uh, or, or their dev team is uh, 16 people. Nope, that yeah. doesn't happen on an MMO either. Um, but other, other than that, other than the kind of considerations for, make, for being on the telly, it's really good. And I'm not finished with the season. I'm five episodes in. The fifth episode of the season best one is fucking brilliant because it doesn't feature mythic quest game at all it's a flashback episode about this developer who was picked up by mythic quest publisher in the 90s Mm. do it doing kind of the id software thing you know where id software were trying to create a different kind of game and trying to get publishers involved and that kind of thing and it's this really heartbreaking story of this couple who are developing games together and they develop this this very weird niche art horror game thing and the systematic corruption over the space of about 15 years. That's what success does. Yeah, of, of, the, of the success of their first game, but then the, the 
um, the publisher basically being an EA yeah. and asking them to change things because the focus mm. groups want this and that kind of thing. And I, it's possibly the most gripping 26 minutes of TV I've watched in a long time. I think it's really good. And the only, the only connection to the main plot is at the very end of the episode, you get Iron pitching Mythic Quest to the same publisher that those people yep. pitched to at the beginning of the episode. But it's fucking brilliant. And it, it's a great reminder of how good Charlie Day and Rob uh, McElhinney are at writing. Mm. Because there are some genuine, laugh-out-loud, hysterical moments in it. But there's some really good drama and some really heartfelt moments in it. Charlie Day was um, from Sunny, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Well, so was Rob, yeah. So, yeah, so I mean, um, sometimes you just assume that um, when people are on a sitcom that they don't generally always write the materials. It's interesting that... Uh, from well, the... Charlie Day's not in it. No, no, no he's, he's in yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's in the other one. But it just got me yeah. thinking that uh, I didn't realize he was a writer. No, I think yeah, well, well, they, they, them... they both. Yeah, they they both write with Glenn Howerton for yeah. Sonny. Yeah. So like they have complete creative control over Sonny. Yeah. Um, and also David Hornsby, um, he writes a fair bit for Sonny as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's fucking brilliant. I particularly it's... like the uh, the very realistic fact that HR are in the sub 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 basement. No, 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 that's, that's, that's the social media team. Oh, is that the, what it um, is? Yeah, the social engagement team. It's this one that very it, positive yeah. woman <laughs> Not who has to like, see, see the fucking horrendous shit that people send She's on Twitter. She's in that Twitter basement B5, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, the, the realistic HR lady is the one where they all treat her like a therapist. That's it. They, yeah, that's yeah, it. They go sit in her office and say, oh, it, 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 arguments like this remind me of my parents' divorce, and she's like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a therapist. I'm not a therapist. That's it. But they, won't, but they won't leave until she says something like, and I think our time is up for today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, I, I'm really, really enjoying it. And once I'm done with this, I want to watch Ted Lasso because I've heard a lot oh, of really good yeah. things about it. Uh, I need to watch that too. It's, I'm not being funny. It's better. Yeah. Ted Lasso even, is yeah. incredible. And, and what I, from what I've heard about that one, even though it's about a football team, you don't need to like football to enjoy it. You don't see any football games. <laughs> yeah. It's like... Oh god! What is the hell is it called? I've forgotten the name of it now. Dream Team. No, the American football <laughs> one where they have like a the league. Oh, fr- so, yeah, the league. No, yeah, the league. Yeah, yeah. 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 I know yeah. nothing about American football or how pooling works or, or fantasy stuff. leagues work or anything. Yeah, didn't bother me. Never once in that show did I. You like, don't need to do it. No. So Ted Lasso's yeah. just. The, it's probably the most feel-good comedy I've I've genuinely ever seen. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, watch Mythic Quest. It's it just oh, yeah. t- if you've got an if you've got an iPhone, check if you've got a free trial and just binge through it. They're it's not, not offensive only... in the slightest. No, it's just, um, it's just like being on Apple is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. There's 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 ten episodes to it, and you can binge through them quite easily. Yeah, and the second season comes out in May. So yeah, I'm very excited yeah, for yeah. Excellent, brilliant. So we're going to move on from that, and I have been continuing on my Wes Anderson Odyssey. Um, oh, I'm very interested to hear how this has gone. This has gone. Um, <laughs> uh, basically, I watched two more of his back catalogue. I watched The Grand Budapest Hotel and The Darjeeling Limited. Uh, okay. Have you seen either of those guys? Both of them, yes. I've seen one of them a long I've time ago, one Darjeeling. I think Darjeeling Limited is an underrated masterpiece. I don't, I don't even know if it's underrated, to be fair. But I don't, I don't think it's underrated. It. I think it was universally loved. I yes, it's an excellent film. I honestly, I watched that and I dreamt about it, and it's just, it's such a. I don't if you don't know what it's about. It's about three uh, estranged brothers. They're just on a train through India, <laughs> basically, um, yep. and 
there's a lot of spirituality with it. There's a lot of um, family scars wanting to be healed and stuff like that. It's just really good. It's not as Wes Anderson as the next film I'm going to talk about, Grand Budapest Hotel, but it's it's really good. It's just really good. And the more you say about it, I think it, it's just just watch it. But, so, so Ling Limited would count as an underrated classic because uh, on Metacritic it has a score of sixty-seven. I fucking loved it. I yeah, absolutely I, I, adored I think it's it. One of the le- like least liked, to be honest. Really? Mm. So, I, so the next one, um, Grand Budapest Hotel. If you don't like tea, you're not interested. <laughs> it's not about tea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, Stig, I've got an apology to make to you, pal. Um, you're, you're right. It's incredible. <laughs> Yes, so good. <laughs> there, there isn't a, a wasted scene in that film. It's, no, it's not a wasted frame. Yeah, everything yeah. about that film is perfect. I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. I, oh my, it's it's better than um, Life Aquatic. It is. It really oh, is. My, miles better. It's, oh, God Almighty, um, <laughs> Ray Fiennes. Wow, that's got to be his best role. It has to be. Ooh, yeah. Might, might uh, well be, yeah. Yeah, up where. I've, oh, it's just, oh my God. He's got the guy from um, Spider-Man as well as... Um... Willem Dafoe. No. Yeah, well, he's in it. No, he's got... <laughs> Toby <laughs> Maguire. No, he's, he's, little, he's little bellboy. He's, he's from Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, what's his name? I can't remember the actor's name. What, he, what, what, uh, Tony, Tony Revolver? Stanley? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know his name, but yeah. It's, it's, it's... Zero. Yeah, Zero, yeah. Yeah, he plays Flash. Yeah, he plays Flash in Spider-Man, that's it. Yeah. He calls him Penis Parker. That's how I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Wow, what, what, what can you say that hasn't already been said about it? Because I watched the film and then I watched some podcasts on it as well, and I've never agreed more with anything. Um, it's just... It's, 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 like a, it's like a dream into a film, do you know what I mean? Without being dreamlike. It's like... Like all the countries are fake countries, but it's based on yeah. like World War Two. They look like Nazis, but they're not Nazis. And oh god, it's so good. Just the detail and every oh, it's, it's absolute peak Wes Anderson. Like it is <laughs> the most so Wes Anderson film to ever exist. I I, I love the symmetry and everything. Like anytime yeah, you see a shot yeah. of like the of the um uh, of the reception, of yeah, the, the lobby, hotel. yeah, yeah, everything is. So symmetrical and so perfectly framed, and everything like. The but it's juxtaposed perfectly from when from Jude Law's time. The do you know what I mean when it's flashed back to how it used to look? Yeah, and then in Jude Law's time, it's more like Cold War era, and it looks more like Cold War era style. Yeah, yes, yeah. it's so clever. It's, oh, it's just Every, everyone looks everyone looks over the top and ridiculous as well, don't yeah. they? Especially yeah. like Adrian Brody and Willem Dafoe's characters are just yeah, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> what an excellent baddie he is! <laughs> oh, he's brilliant. He's so good, and it's just like now I've watched like I've watched three of his films. He uses the same cast, doesn't he? But better than how it. better than how Quentin Tarantino does it. Yeah. Oh yeah. He... <laughs> It's just, oh, it's just so good. I'm not, I'm not going to waste your time talking about it too much because you all know, everyone knows. I was the last person on earth to watch them. You know, Ray, Ray, uh, no, Ray I haven't seen it, mate. Oh, mate, you should oh, you watch it should. tomorrow. Watch it tonight. Just yeah, watch it when we finish this recording. Just go and watch it. It's, a, yeah. it's, it's like an hour and hour and a half. Yeah, something like that. Long. Yeah, it's Ray so Fiennes did, didn't get like any Oscar nomination or anything for that. I think he should have. I think he should have. Yeah. But if you haven't seen Darjeeling Limited as well, don't rest on that. I, no, it's on, those, it's on just, the list. I want to go through it. Forget those critics. It's just, it's not the same. It's not the same as Life Aquatic and Grand Budapest. It's, it's, it's more like, 
It feels like an American road trip, but on an Indian train. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What, what amazes me about Wes Anderson films is, and it's obviously down to Wes Anderson's reputation himself. Yeah. But they are such small budget films, but he has such huge stars in it. They don't feel like, like a small budget. That's the thing. Well, well, yeah, but that's the thing. Like, um, like Grand Budapest Hotel's budget was twenty-five million. Wow. And wow. he's got. He's got he's got Ray Fiennes, Adrian Brody, Willem Dafoe, Saoirse Ronan, Tilda Swinton, Edward Norton, like Jeff Goldblum, all these like yeah. really big names Fucking in this film hell. for twenty five million, and it looks that good. Yeah, like he has to be pulling favors somewhere. It's because they want to work with him, don't they? He's so yeah. Oh yeah, that's, that's what I mean. It's, a, it's like his reputation. It's, a, it's a, it just makes it so impressive. Yeah, like ne- can... next on my uh, agenda as well um, is your recommendation, Gadget. I love dogs. Oh yeah, such a good film. And then. Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums, I believe. I think they're the You're next. Fantastic Mr. Fox as well. I've, I've seen that, that and I didn't realise yeah. it was film. I've seen that. I do like that film. So I didn't yeah. even realise it was. Royal Tenenbaums is excellent as well, but it's not as good as Grand Budapest Hotel. But it's got yeah, that. I did enjoy the Royal Tenenbaums. I, I, think, I, think I think Grand Budapest now, I think it's going to take a lot to top that. But I don't, th- I don't think you will top it, but um, Tenenbaums you, is excellent. You don't it's have got, to top it, do you, really? That's the no, thing. No, no. I've watched of his trailer of the his new one, the French Dispatch. That's his new one coming out. Yeah, whenever I will he, do. Whenever I it comes out, will. that looks great. But I'm a fan now, and I, I like I say, I apologise, Stig, for my previous comments on a few <laughs> hundreds of days ago podcast. Um, yeah, I was wrong. I was completely wrong, and that's why I'll never listen to a trailer ever again because it were always the trailers that put me off. Like I was saying, oh, it's all twee and you know what I mean, and it's, oh, it's not. Twee. <laughs> but it's also it's dark. Mm. A lot of them are quite. Oh yeah, dark. yeah, some, yeah. Touches so, on some really like mm. hard subjects, yeah. even though like doesn't feel like that kind of film. Yeah, but it does touch like especially Royal Tenenbaums. Does it some, really? Yeah. No, oh, wow. Some heavy well, subjects. Yeah, I keep keep a hanky nearby for Isle of Dogs as well. There's a there's a couple may, of moments in that. <laughs> a few people keep telling me that, like keep your hankies at, at the side, because um, it's just, yeah pure sadness. But yeah, that's what we've been up to this week. And Biggie, what are we gonna be doing now? So soundtracks can be the lifeblood of a film, TV show, or game. They can turn a great moment into something truly epic, or tug at your heartstrings so much you're drawn to tears. So many moments in media come together perfectly because of the music. We all have at least that one song or score that transports us back to that moment and makes us feel those emotions again. This will hopefully be a regular feature as we can't possibly cover as much music in the media that we love. So stay tuned for more pods like today. Thanks, mate. Yeah. So basically what we were discussing between us, like we could talk about soundtracks in media ad nauseum but today what we're going to do just to get our foot in the door we're going to bring uh, round robin style we're going to bring some of his favorite tracks from soundtracks rather than talking about the whole score plus it's easier for us to just say we like this <laughs> so we thought <laughs> that yeah so we we thought we'd do that so we're going to start actually with stig because the, as the film nerd amongst us um i'm sure you've got some absolute bangers right so the first one i'm going to start with is uh, Portals by Alan Silvestri from Avengers Endgame. (laughs) 
if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame, I will ask Gadget to throw edit in to know when to skip past. Yes. Specifically, I know you, Kurt, with your podcast. <laughs> you can't know about what I'm about to talk about. Starting from <laughs> now. Hi, everyone. As Stig requested, it's Gadget in the edit. If you want to skip all of the Avengers Endgame spoilers, skip ahead to 37 minutes and 50 seconds. So, Iron Man dies. <laughs> I just had to say it. I had to say it. Oh, oh. please make that the title of the podcast. No, we <laughs> no, can't do that. No. Oh, it's off my chest now. Right, so Portals by Alan Silvestri. Why I love this track so much is because, as Biggie said, it just turns a great moment into something truly epic. We have spent... 11 years watching the MCU mm. building up to this final moment where every single superhero comes together to fight the big bad, to fight Thanos, his army and his men. Mm. And it just starts with this amazing moment where Captain America is the last man standing. His shield is battered. Oh, when he fucking he, he he, tightens he, his and straps. He, and he does it up and he's Ooh. like, he's facing an army down by himself Ooh. and he's just like, right, fuck it. Let's yep. go. And all of a sudden you just, it's then the music starts in. It's just like it's slow, just gentle like horns and drums. Doom, doom. It's slight as well, isn't it? It's, yeah, slight. and then you hear on your left it's like, what? Is on it Falcon left. that says that? Yeah, Falcon says it. It's a callback yeah. to um, when they first meet in Winter Soldier. Uh, Winter Soldier yeah. yeah, and the portal opens oh. on the left, and out flies Falcon. Yeah, and then out comes Black Panther and Okoye and Shuri, and his army coming through, and they're all doing the Wakandan chant. Oh God! I'm this, as this Wakandan army walks through, <laughs> and then so more massive. portals, more portals open, and oh. more heroes come back, and they've all returned from from the snap. Uh, and Star Lord, yeah, and oh. Spider Man flies oh. through, and oh. there's there's all uh, Doctor Strange and all the uh, wizards and that creating these portals. Not wizards, all. the sorcerers. Sorcerers, that's the one. <laughs> Gandalf is there. Look to and- the <laughs> Hobbits run past. Yeah, the Gandalf turns up, flies down the hill yeah. with the riders. Fight, you fools! <laughs> yeah, and it just the way it just builds up. It, it it's like and like it just does that bit over and over again. And as more heroes come through, and it, you don't need to sing it, Stig. Oh, I do. Clip by now. Yes. I don't care. I'm still going to sing it. And it's like, and it gets to that bit where like all of them have come. Like they're all there now. And yeah. all the armies are stood cheering and, and shouting, and Thanos is stood there, kind of like, fuck. Yeah. And it just does that. It's, it's this, this final build up. It's like, and it does that yeah. until it gets to that point where Captain America finally says, Avengers assemble. Oh, because that, that, was, that was cut out of Age of Ultron, and we've never heard it. And, he, and he, after 11 years, he finally says it, and the Avengers theme kicks in, and they all rush, and then this massive CGI blur happens, which <laughs> is perfectly fine by me because it's still amazing. Yeah, that's but how it, you do a CGI blur, though, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, but yeah. It, it was just so good, and it, it gives me goosebumps every single time I listen to it. And Every time I watch it, 
I just makes me well up and it made so me cry in, in the cinema mm. because it was that moment that finally that moment of everyone has come together oh, and the music, everyone except and the Black music Widow. <laughs> is <laughs> everyone who survived yeah. yes fortunately um yeah, but it just that's that one moment if everyone comes together and the music for it is absolutely it's perfect. perfect. It? Yeah. Mm. It's just an amazing piece of music for an for an amazing moment. Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. The 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 MCU producers have had a very good they've had a very good run of composers. Mm. Like they they know how to pick the right composer to make the yeah. right like they like they don't pick John Williams for anything because John Williams always sounds like John Williams. Yeah. But like Alan Silvestri's done quite a few of them, and he is he like has that sound down for the um especially for the Avengers films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he knows how to he knows how to bring that epic, like musically speaking. Portals is it's it's just a collection of the themes from uh, from previously across the MCU, yeah. and done it like at the right at the right pace. It's done it like about a half speed kind of thing, and it builds and it builds. And it's the drums, and it's just it's the right piece of music for that moment to fit with those visuals, and it's perfect. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a brilliant piece of um orchestral execution. Mm. Yeah, and and like you say, because he does the music for other things, there's another moment. It's not to bring too much in in Infinity War where Captain America's first introduced. And it's just the music there. It's just the Captain America tune. He's in, he's in the dark. He's in the shadow. In the dark. He? He it's like, da-da-dum, da-da-dum, And you're like, and you, when you're watching that, you're just like, oh, Cap's here. <laughs> and he's got, and, and he's he got the most magnificent and, and, yeah. beard. He's got and the, steps out of the shadows and you're like, oh. <laughs> he looks so good oh. with that beard. <laughs> but it's the music. The music, again, is perfect for that moment. So. Yeah. I, 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 Stig fangirling over Captain America is my favourite thing. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it really is. So we'll move on from Stig's um, from Stig's excellent choice. There, we'll go over to Biggie because Biggie, you like sound, don't you? <laughs> I do. He's positively so, um, wired for it. <laughs> <laughs> My first choice for me. Um, I have mentioned this movie before, but um, I particularly love the soundtrack to this as well. And it's uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh yeah. Now, the movie itself won over 40 awards and was nominated for 10 Academy Awards back in 2001, Mm. um, including Best Picture, and it won Best Foreign Language Film, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, but most importantly here, Best Original Score. It also went on to win many more awards. Um, The story itself um, is basically very briefly, um, it's just about um, Master Lee, a warrior, who um, asks the woman that he secretly loves to pass on his sword, the Green Destiny, um, to almost like a, a background character, basically. But the story itself suddenly revolves around betrayal, um, loyalty, unspoken love. Um, and the acting, the cinematography is absolutely outstanding. But as the perfect accompaniment to this is the music. The music sells the portrayals of the characters just as well as the actors do. Um, it just comes in at the right time. Um, and I absolutely love it. 
Um, Tan Dunn was the composer who, um, if you um, have heard the name, he also did the soundtrack for Hero. And um, it features the cellist Yo-Yo Ma. Um, the music basically is a blend of Chinese harmonies and instruments with a Western orchestra music. Um, and for me, it just comes in at the right time. The particular um, track I chose is the um, Eternal Vow, um, which I think really just sells the overall theme of the music for this movie. Um, when I came out of the movie, I had teared up. I loved. I just fell in love with the story. I thought it was amazing. I had a crush on Zhang Zi. Yeah, you're not the, alone there. The, uh, <laughs> we're almost like the double billing of the actress. In the, although Michelle Yeoh is also fantastic in this. Yeah. It's a very pro um, uh, women's movie yeah, as well, actually. The, the roles are fantastic for the women in this movie. Um, but Zhang Zi was amazing. And um, I think it's a, one of, maybe one of her first main roles as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, she really came through. Um, and, yeah, I, I bought the soundtrack literally the, the next day um, and just listened to that. And um, it's just really emotional. Love it. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, please, please, oh, please. It's such it a good confession. Film. I've never seen it. Oh, man. I haven't seen it either. And oh, I, listened, I did listen to the track, obviously, that you posted in our Discord. And mm. what I just the only note I made from it was just beautiful. Yeah. yeah that's it's, literally it's, it's a beautiful piece of music. Yeah, but the film is beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's all thing. I can put. Like the, the the only thing I can say about the movie is that there's a lot of history with these characters that you don't know, but it's sold to you in the expressions in the characters, their eyes, the way that they look at each other, the way they interact. You don't see this backstory, but you just feel it, you understand it. Um, and it, it's just an incredible um, portrayal by everybody. Um, oh my God, I've forgotten the main um, male uh, actor. I can't think of his name. The Ang Lee. No, he was the director. No, he was the director. Uh, I can't think of his bloody name. Um, Chow Yun Fat. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, he, he is um, phenomenal in this movie as well. And the, the story between um, himself and uh, Michelle Yeoh, um, they just sell it. They just sell that sort of, you can almost feel like there's 20 years of unspoken love between these two, even though they're friends. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. That's uh, one of please, the, please, please watch it. It's one of the only movies I've bought on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, and digital. Believe it or not, because I remember getting it on v- the la- probably one of the last VHSs I ever bought, and then I got a PS2. You know what happens when you get a PS2? You've also got a DVD player, and <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah, I, I, I bought it so many. I think that's for me. Do you know how people like say these pivotal movie moments? I think that is one of them. Genuinely, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, it's, it's a pivotal moment in cinema. It brought a lot of Western audiences to that scope as well. Yes. It's not, it's, not just, it's not Jackie Chan just a kung fu film. Do you know what I mean? Like a man falling down a building. Don't get me wrong, I love Jackie Chan, yes. but it, it, there's, there's, there's more to it. It's, it's a painting, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. oh, it's so good. Oh, the cinematography, I mean, which I really should mention, considering it won an award as well, it's just out of this world and it's fantastic. It's a beautiful movie. Absolutely sets the scene. Um, it makes, takes you all the way back to that sort of time. Um, yeah, incredible. Uh, yeah, and please watch it uh, with subtitles because you will get the portrayal from the actors. Please don't listen. The dub version is fine. Just don't do it's it. It's not fine. <laughs> but it, you know what I mean? You can watch it if you really have to. But yeah. Subtitles, please. It's just it's something. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. Excellent pick, mate. Excellent pick. So I'll, we'll go on to mine now. Um, mine's a game. Because this, um, as we all know, I don't tend to listen to many game soundtracks, but this is before I discovered... It's a rarity. Yeah, this is before I discovered podcasts. 
So this is a song called Snake Eater. Cue music. <laughs> <laughs> A tree frog It's so dear The trial to survive For the day We see new life This song When anyone mentions the game Metal Gear Solid In any of its geysers This is the song that springs into my mind um, From Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater um, the track is by Harry Gregson Williams, sang by Cynthia Harrell. Um, it's the best non-Bond theme, I think. <laughs> the non-Bond <laughs> Bond theme. <laughs> it's so good. And the moment it hits you more than the actual title screen is the very famous ladder boss. Um, Oh, is that the three and a half minute ladder or something? <laughs> yeah, like that? yeah. It's, it's as long as the song. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it works, doesn't it? It's, yeah, it's, it works. It works so well. And it's, it's so subtly brought in really quietly. What a chill. Just as you're climbing up and, oh, God, and by the time you're at the top, you've climbed a ladder inside a mountain to get to the top of the mountain. Doesn't make sense. But, oh, it's such a good track. And anyone that's ever played uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 knows how good it is. And the actual I laughed out loud when I saw that first time when I played that. I, I just thought <laughs> it's never it'd never yes, been done amazing. before at that point, had it? No, no, yeah, it was I was so blown clever. away by it just because it was just so like this is just they even had like just, Bond I did not girl expect, silhouettes and stuff yeah, like that. I did that. not yes, expect yes, yes. a Bond intro for like Metal Gear Solid at all. Like, and the, certainly it's like one day you'll be feasting on a tree frog and stuff like it just doesn't make sense, but yeah. it does to the game. And oh, I really wish I could play that game. Oh, I know you've 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 got a history with that game, haven't you? Yeah, I I am I am slightly colorblind and it's color awareness issues and the problems I have are with greens, browns and reds. And that's what color that when, game is. <laughs> when you're doing stealth, I mean I as far as I'm aware, the second half of the game takes place in facilities which are gray and brown and I can see those. Yes. But for the first half of the game I can see fuck all. Yeah. And I also know that there is a boss that is reliant on camouflage. He's a sniper bo- yeah, he's yeah. camouflaged. He's a sniper boss. Yeah. How the fuck I'm going to do that is beyond me. I, I can <laughs> find him when, he's him when I played the game. <laughs> there, there is a sneaky way so you don't have to kill there that is. boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you, you take him out when he's asleep. Yes, or you yeah, take but, him out when he's asleep. Either, either way, I can't see the first half of the game. So That's, yeah. a, that's a huge shame because it's one of my yeah. favourite games of all time. And even the HD remakes they didn't Add anything to that kind of no, palette. of course, of course they wouldn't. <laughs> it's Konami, um, but yeah, um, it's just it's it's a sensational like because the the trumpet and the riff, the main riff, it plays quite at certain moments throughout the game, and um, we've even used that riff in our little uh, podcast in some points, haven't we? As well, boys, we've uh, the. Da, 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 da. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, so you used it at the end of the uh, end of our Metal Gear Solid skit. Which is the end of that song, so it's just, oh, God, it's so good. But, yeah, that's that's my pick. You, listen to it. You don't have to play the game, just listen to that song. It is a song as well, which is odd. It's not really a piece. It's a song. So, yeah, yeah we'll move on to you, Gadget. What's your first pick? Uh, so my first pick is from a film that none of you have, uh, will likely have seen. Nope. It is a film from 1986 called Crossroads. Nope. 
Not to be confused with the Britney Spears film from 2000 and something, Crossroads. Never seen that either. Yeah, this is, yeah. Or the Bone Thugs and Harmony song. Or yeah. wasn't there a hotel soap called Crossroads as well? There was as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Crossroads. Was he driving home? Listen to this. Yeah. Crossroads is a dreadful film. It's a really bad film. I remember but, the. When I saw your clip, yeah. I was like, oh my God, I actually remember seeing the posters for this in yeah. film magazines when this came out and never saw it. I, so, I, I had no idea. Yeah. I was like, ah. So if you want to know the story for Crossroads, just listen to The Devil Went Down to Georgia and you've got this. It, oh. it's, just, it's just that story. It's a fiddle player. It's just a, <laughs> yeah, it's just a musician who is desperate to hit the big time and gets into a battle with the devil. And yeah. I, saw, I saw it once when I was a teenager and it was bad. But <laughs> this track, Eugene's Trick Bag, oh, this blew my mind. Eugene's trick bag is is part of the ending of the film. It's the culmination. The film stars um, as the eponymous... I wouldn't say he's eponymous Eugene, but as Eugene, uh, the karate kid himself is Ralph Macchio. No way. Oh, yes. Yes way. Yes, and he, 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 is, he is a young man who wants stardom, he wants fame, he wants to be the greatest... Does he still look like a little boy in it, though? Yes. So he still Wait, looks like a little boy now. Well, he's, he's supposed to be, like, 17 or 18 in the film. Oh, like, right. he's He's a young lad. Um, but the the devil offers it by the time he gets towards the end like throughout the film he's kind of building up his skills as a musician doing gigs and all that kind of thing by the end of the film the devil makes him a proposition where he has to battle the devil's favourite guitarist a man played by Steve Vai called Jack Butler no way Steve um, Vai real Steve, Steve Vai real Steve Vai is in it fuck um, and it, it's one of those challenges be Jack Butler become the greatest guitarist in the world lose to Jack Butler lose your soul so we know where Tenacious D got their idea from as well oh yeah oh yeah this is totally the greatest <laughs> song in the world but so Eugene's trick bag uh, comes at the end of their guitar battle mm. and you've got so you've got uh, Eugene who's a blues guy he's playing a Fender Telecaster yeah. he's he's playing away he's got his slide he's got the slide out and he sounds great um but Jack Butler, he's a heavy metal guitarist. Oh no! And he's got the tremolo, and he's making the whammy sounds, and he's making the noises, yeah, and all the shredding and stuff like that. And it's it's looking dicey for Eugene. Oh no! And and Jack Butler's celebrating because Jack Butler thinks he's won. But no, Eugene starts off with a he's just a little trill on the guitar, like a little 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 sound, and then he moves into playing some Paganini. Oh! And he gets faster, and he gets faster, and he gets faster. And he plays one of the most complicated guitar pieces I've ever heard. Wow. And Jack Butler can't play it. Jack Butler <laughs> struggles to play it, fails, throws his guitar to the ground, and walks away. It is the cheesiest fucking scene ever, but that piece of music is incredible. And the best part is, Steve Vai recorded both parts for it. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> he, did the, he did the guitar soundtrack along with Rai Kuda, and he so he did Eugene's Trick Bag. He... Recorded, re- recorded the, the perfect version of it that Ralph Macchio mimes to. Ralph Macchio does an excellent job of pretending to be able to play that. 
And Steve Vai also recorded the bit where he, where Jack Butler fucks up. So Steve Vai did an excellent job of pretending to be shit at playing the song that he wrote. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it. When I saw that, I was like sixteen or seventeen years old. I'd been playing guitar for a couple of years, mm. and I I'd heard good guitar players. You know, I was into heavy metal. I knew, I knew of good guitar players. This is the first time I saw or heard a piece of guitar music that made me actually stop in my tracks and go, and 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 give the full Keanu Reeves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it actually stopped me, and I must have listened to it like ten times in a row. Listen to that, and it's just—it's a song that I've tried to learn so many times throughout my time as playing guitar, and I cannot do it. It is so above my ability. Really, yeah, it's so fast and so night. precise. It's ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it is good. Very good. But yeah, it is. It's an incredible piece of music, and just—I don't know. There's something about seeing Steve Vai in an '80s film. There's just something Steve about Vai's seeing wanted... Steve Vai in general. Well, yeah, like the, the 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 man's got an energy. Yeah, he has. But um, like also like if you if you could play guitar and you and you can appreciate the kind of how complex it is, watching how Ralph Macchio mimes to it is actually incredible. And mm. I was reading up on it. Apparently, Ralph Macchio actually learned to be a pretty decent guitar player for the film. He plays he plays a bit of guitar in Cobra Kai. He's so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He learned how to play guitar for that film. Oh wow. So the movements that he's making are right. Are the he's pl- he's effectively miming the right notes. Yeah, but he's not playing it in the film. I'd love but... to have heard what the amp was playing when he was miming it. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> yeah, something like that. But yeah, it's don't watch Crossroads. Just look it up on YouTube. It's called Eugene's Trick Bag, and it's incredible to watch. Yeah, we'll pop up, we'll pop all the links if we can fit it in a show notes as well to help you out. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So we'll go back over to Fort Stig. My second choice is um, from the game that Gadget mentioned earlier, Grease. Biggie, why do you keep mixing us up? You constantly do this. Yeah, what's the fuck your problem? It's because you're both handsome young men. Is it it a bald thing? Is it because we're both bald? Yeah, is that what it is? (laughs) Do do, do, do you not see hair? (laughs) He's hair blind. (laughs) You're going to have a stig sandwich when we meet, mate. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know. I only did it twice today. Shut up. No, actually, did it three times today. We've only been talking for an hour. Which one are you telling us to shut up, Laura? Everyone. (laughs) Bless him. Back on track. Um, It's, uh, yeah, from the game Grease. which is a platform adventure game by a Spanish development uh, developer, Nomada Studio. Yeah, Nomada yeah, Studio. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, I can't, I don't want to go into spoilers if Biggie's is playing it, um, but there's a, a track in this uh, called uh, Unagi. Oh, so good. Uh, the, the soundtrack to this game Not was done by uh, the uh, people called the Berlinist. Mm-hmm. And this moment, this track is because of the moment in the game and it's I'm trying to skirt around it without spoiling it <laughs> the best I can. Did you, I'll I say mean, is, I'm enjoying all, it. All do, I'll say do you is really there, think it will ruin it yeah. if I knew? If you yeah, know yeah it will. It's like the best moment <laughs> okay. in the game. Yeah. Oh. And that's why, it's, that's, that's why I love the track so much. You can't tell you it. All, all, I, all I can say is there's a bit of a cheer sequence. Yeah.
that's not to spoil it. There's a bit of one. There's a bit of a chase sequence. There's a bit where it kind of get away and it dies down and it happens again. So the way the track is, it's just, it starts off straight into the chase sequence. And then there's that little lull in the middle of when you think, oh, I've got away. And then all of a sudden, bang, it comes back. It's just like a musical bridge, isn't it? That Yeah. And, but then there's just this one moment where something happens in the game where the music changes and it's just like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Like, when that <laughs> when that moment happens and you're like, fuck, this is so good. This is so good. And I, I'm not going to say anything more just because if you want to play the game, and I, I encourage everyone to play this game. I love... Th- it is currently £4.49 on PSN. Yeah, whatever. Whatever your platform that you can play this on, mm. get it and play it. It's, it's, it's only about four to four and a half hours long, depending on how long you... Take with it. It doesn't need I to be longer. Be it doesn't need to be maybe longer. Halfway, three quarters away by yeah. the sounds of it. The music, the soundtrack in general to this yeah, to this game incredible. is incredible. I love the soundtrack. I it's one of the only gaming soundtracks I'll just sit and listen to. Um I've gone put it on when I want to go to sleep sometimes just because some of it is just really beautiful. And the visuals, beautiful. The visuals with the music. Yeah. Oh yeah, just, the visuals to the game. It's stunning. It's stunning, yeah. And um don't get me wrong, the, it isn't game mechanic mechanically it isn't and you do anything there's new there's nothing new is there no nothing special about it but the visuals and the music together just make this an outstanding game I remember game. when um, I think it was last year and you said Oodles you've got to play this and you need to promise me you're going to put headphones on and listen to it mm. <laughs> and I, I was like dude, you just do a podcast while playing I went dude I'll, I'll do it I'll do it he'll go you'll finish it you'll finish it in a, in a sitting and he were right I did finish it in a sitting and he were right, also right about the music. I don't know why I don't listen to Stig as, as often as I should. Should do. He doesn't listen to us. But he's, ne- he's, no. ne- he's never... He can't tell us apart, Biggie, can he? No. He's never steered me in the wrong direction, and I sometimes doubt him. <laughs> but, yeah. I definitely got the feels of um, the journey from what I've played so far. I think it's better. I think as a, as a package, it's just a better game than the journey. And people don't talk about Greece as much as journey. Yeah, so, they should do. It yeah, is the story, if, as you piece it together, yeah. is just a beautiful story. And the music, I, I can't stress enough how good the music is to this game. Yeah. It's one of the only games. Well, I played it in 2019, mm. finished it, played it again last year when it came onto Game Pass, and finished yeah. it in one sitting. I don't really do that. I don't, yeah. don't really play games, replay games, even like my favorite games. But this one was just like, my daughter was started it and then she didn't want to finish it um so i kind of just carried on and just finished it off and i was just like this is amazing i just love it yeah and, and the first time i played this and finished it yeah i just remember finishing it putting my switch down and just letting out a really big sigh just like i sighed as well just, mate i get yeah. that i was like oh yeah and uh it weren't it, it's not it's not a sigh like oh it's finally over it's a sigh like oh because obviously it is i don't know the whole yeah. story but visually it, it kind of gives you this really melancholic sadness without knowing what well, happens sadness. later in the game. Yeah, yeah. But my daughter's enjoying it as well because the, great for kids. the music's really nice. It's pretty. Mm. So, I mean, my daughter's like four next month. So, I mean, it, I'm getting completely different vibes to, to that game that she probably is. Yeah. But I'm enjoying playing it with her because it's quite simple to play, yeah. to move around. So, yeah, we, we've got that little sort of um, interaction between us. But I'm totally getting a completely different sense of this game than she probably is. I, I think... Yeah, I think you're on the right track, it, and it will all kind of piece together. Yeah, as you, yeah you'll get as you it. Come, 
as you get there, yeah, when you get to the end, you're just like... Oh, I'm loving yeah. it. I just ran out of time when I was playing it's it. It's one of those, like so. I say, it's one of those cliches. It's it's not just a game, it's an experience. and it's yeah. I should finish it tomorrow. One of, it's one of those rare experiences that it, you're not... You're not you, it's just... It's not rote. It's not... It's not twee or anything like that. It's just... It's just pure. It's, it's the best way to explain it. It's just pure. Mm. Every sense. Every sense that you've got. And, yeah, just, just fucking play it, man. Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, track, the, the, the main track on that one, New Nagi. Um, when that moment happens, you, you'll know. Mind blowing. Well, if you know, you know. Yeah, excellent. So um, back to you then, Biggie. Ooh. that's catch um, it. Uh, oh, is it? No, I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> Getting them mixed up. Go, I'm not, so. not hair blind like you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yes, uh, another game for me. Um, this one is Deus Ex, yeah. uh, Human Revolution. Great game um, as well. Mm. Yes, the, um, the soundtrack was composed by Michael McMahon, who or McMahon, uh, also known for his work on Splinter Cell. Yes. Uh, this cyberpunk game that actually works. Oh, dig As the scene set. Right from the bat, from the golden black tone of um, the game's imagery, uh, and then when the uh, main menu comes up, the animation and then the music kicks in, and there is this main theme, just the main menu theme. I just love it so much. It's such a simple track of, yes, it's your very um, very cliched synth music that we seem to have for future dystopias. It just seems to be... It's not synth quite synth wave, that. though, is it? It's, it's, not it's, quite. It's, but then yeah. it has this really sort of subtle beats or bass line, yeah. very clear, and then orchestral music will kick in. But the main menu, I managed to track down the main menu theme uh, that's looped for an hour. Wow. And I can quite happily <laughs> sit down and just listen to that. And I stare at so a wall much. for an hour. <laughs> it, but it is, it's amazing. I love that. But also the main track, uh, the main... Um, you've got the main mini theme which is that one mm. but you've got the actual main theme which is known as Icarus yes and that's yeah, a beautiful Icarus piece It's got a good. It's good name in comparison to the actual game as well and the story. Icarus makes sense why it's called that. It is. It's, it's, uh, and yeah, sorry. Um, like sorry, yeah, like Gadget says, I employ you to play it because it is actually a good game. I, I think mean, it's uh, the best one apart from the original. Yeah, Mankind uh, Divided. I liked, but it wasn't as good as this. But um, yeah, the soundtrack again just perfectly links up with the game. It sells the game. Um, yeah. For me, it, they go arm in arm, and I, I love it. I think it's just so good. So that one that you link that you posted to us, listen to. I was getting like um, before, like the kind of like you said, the computerized like synthy kind of music hitting. I was getting a bit of a gladiator vibe from it. I can see it. Yeah, it's got that. It's got With the choir, the choir, and the yeah, orchestral yeah, yeah. part. It's like because the song's kind of made up in two different parts, isn't it? You've got yeah, that more yeah. traditional orchestral bit with a bit of the kind of the singing and stuff in the background. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I was just like, this is like really gladiator like 
that, that's what it's kind of reminding me of. It doesn't mean the until... TV show, listeners. It means the film. Oh, no, the film. Yeah, the Ridley Scott film. <laughs> Gladiators, are you ready? <laughs> yeah, Shit. I just really like that. It's like, I kind of like the two, the blending of the two different styles. Mm. Mm. Really good. Really good. Moving on to not biggie gadget. So we, we're going we're going from modern synthwave to classic synthwave because for me I'm I'm bringing in the, the one and only Vangelis because oh, we're talking wow, about yes. the main themes of Blade Runner here. Oh, I need to take this myself. Heavy, heavy. Now, I love, I've talked on this podcast before, I love Blade Runner. You I don't. Love Synthwave. I love Synthwave. <laughs> I love the concept of cyberpunk, and it's obviously one of the originators for it. Yes. And Vangelis' soundtrack for Blade Runner is incredible for a couple of reasons. One, there's not a real instrument on it. Everything is synths, yep. other than the drums. I think any time you hear drums, that's a real set of drums. But <laughs> everything else, well, it's... It, you can do drums with synths. I've done it before. It's fucking hard um, and probably not worth the effort. But with Vangelis's themes for Blade Runner, it's just perfect. It matches with the visuals incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Everything is using these huge ancient 70s and 80s synths, like old Moog synths and stuff like that. Like, I, I, if you see pictures of of the studio when Vangelis was recording all this, it's wires and boxes everywhere. It looks it's like obscene. NASA, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I can make. And the daft thing is, I can make the same sounds now with a keyboard that I plug into. My I can PC. make the same sound with my phone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but at the time, it's this groundbreaking thing because oh, like, yeah. Vangelis, uh, Vangelis, like found ways to get string sounds out of synthesizers. You know uh, how to. Blend them to give that effect of. I think it's this track as well that the, the he, he discovered to like plugging the amp halfway in so the feedback loop still kicks yeah. in and stuff. Sneaky little things like that. Yeah, it, like it, it just like because previous to this he'd done Chariots of Fire, which was a very synth heavy soundtrack yeah, as well. Yeah, but yeah. it was um, there was a lot of traditional orchestra in there as well. This was the first one where he. he like Ridley Scott had given them the, the kind of the drive to go, no, 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 go all the way. Yeah, these instruments don't exist. It's, it's the yeah. future. So, yeah, it's it's the future. It's 2019. That film is set in 2019, everybody. And it actually <laughs> happened. It actually happened. <laughs> Roy Batty's already dead yeah. by our timeline now. Like, yeah. and, uh, please tick <laughs> wow. that box and confirm you're not an android. Sorry, I, I, don't wanna, I don't want to take part in this survey. Oh, what the census? Um, but yeah, just seriously, just listen to Vangelis' soundtrack for Blade Runner. It is just sublime. Yeah, so good. It's one of those ones I don't want to say, even say too much about it. It just needs to be heard. Because it, the thing is, if you if you listen to that soundtrack and you put a pair of headphones on, close your eyes, you will even if you haven't seen Blade Runner, you'll mm-hmm. see Blade Runner. Like, Do you know what it reminds me of when I listen to it? It reminds me of, and it sounds staffed. It reminds me of like a, a, a like an. Asian shanty, like like a like a market, because yeah. there is that in it with eating noodles yeah. and stuff like. It. It's got yeah. that va- it, 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 rather than like massive towering monoliths and flying taxis. It's more of the the griminess being on yeah. street level, and it oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's it's it. Yeah, he gets down to the nit, like the nitty gritty of 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 the city, and you've got all these kind yeah. of sub, sub steam coming out the ground, and oh, it's so good. My brother had um, 
there's 13 years difference between us and he had the soundtrack on cassette tape mm. so mm. when i was a kid and wanted to sort of find out what my brother was listening to there was yes there was dire straits there as well obviously, obviously. But he had <laughs> uh, every Blade Runner, <laughs> the soundtrack so i put that on and i literally obviously i was too young to see the movie back then and you're absolutely right i kind of visualized something yeah you visualize something like pretty close that, to, it, yeah. to it yeah so it odd how we managed else. to do it it's like it's as if he went into the future himself and came back. Maybe acid helped. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> well, like, it's it's even when when you get down like the musical composition of it, like he picks he picks certain notes to give that, like you say, there's that influence of like kind of the Asian market in there. Yeah. And he, you know, he's picking certain intervals of notes just to imply that kind so of stuff. Good. And the way he lay, lays the sub bass and then the bass yeah. and then the alto and the tenor and stuff like that. It's oh, it's so good. It's clever. It's clever music. That's what it is. And the thing is with Vangelis, and I'm going to say this, this is probably not a controversial opinion. The man knows music. Mm. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. The composer yeah. knows music. <laughs> he is good at the music. <laughs> what else did he do? Remind me, because I can't think. I always think Blade so, Runner straight away. But so, uh, Charity uh, Chariot of Fire oh, was the Chariot other big Fire, one. Yeah. But then he, he basically just had a career as an artist. Yeah. Like, he. Like he, but but he was kind of overshadowed by like people like Jean Michel Jarre who were doing the Didn't same. Didn't he do thing, a but... uh, quite famous soundscapes uh, album, which just soundscapes like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. It was it, like yeah, it was where he re-released, he re-recorded, and re-released some of the Blade Runner yeah, stuff and the yeah. Chariots of Fire stuff, but then also just just give himself a brief and like, like backdrop he has, he music. Has sci- <laughs> yeah, he has a sci-fi idea. Let's do some soundscape. Yeah. And I had I had those CDs because yeah, they, they were one of those situations where I bought the CD based on the cover because there were this weird shiny futuristic oh, yeah. thing. I thought yeah. that looks interesting, and it fucking was. <laughs> yeah, he did, did want something like Forbidden no, World. No songs. There's, there's no back, there's no chorus oh, no. sing along <laughs> lyrics or anything like that. It's just it's like um, what was it when Pink Floyd released the Endless River? Yeah, yeah. The last album they did, and it was just all this kind of spatial in. in Instrumental music. Mm. It's just like, oh, this is this is my jam. You couldn't like even this. put lyrics to it. There's no melody to no. half of them. No, it's just fucking great. Oh, it's so good. Hey, so we'll move on to me, and this is potentially the best track from one of the worst films I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's called it's the one redeeming feature. It's called Jewel of the Fates by John Williams. Oh. This, such a bad film, but such a good song. This makes the film almost worth skipping to the end for. <laughs> I was going to say watching, but it's not worth Just watch watching. that fight. Watch that intro yeah. of Darth oh Maul. That's God. it. That's all you need. <laughs> when, when, when I first said this, I was like, I hope they use this forever, but they don't. It's such so liberally used, isn't it? It's like unofficially Darth Maul's theme, isn't it? But, yeah. I think it, it's effectively supposed to be Darth Maul's yeah. theme. But he doesn't deserve such a grandiose theme because he's such a shithead. <laughs> crap. Yeah. It does not that he's only in the film for five minutes. minutes. Yeah. Oh, but it's such a good moment when that when the singing comes in, the doors open, and yeah. you stand there and both lightsabers come out. It's like If you don't know, oh, it, it's, it's from Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. And it 
anyone, even diehard Star Wars fans, know that this one and Episode 2 are shite. (laughs) (laughs) There's just nothing, there's nothing good about it. In fact, it's problematic, Episode 1, if anything, just in many, many ways. But it's, that tune, like... It's been riffed on so many times. Memes, it's it's all over. T- the reason I brought it up because m- my kids and my wife are into TikTok, and it's now become a TikTok meme. Do you love the faces what? of big? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Uh, one one of the um, new video trends is. Do you know what TikTok? W- when when <laughs> yeah when the when the door knocks and it's the uh, delivery driver for the pizza that track kicks in, and it's it's stupid. It's not even funny, but that track I hear it quite a lot in my house, and I'm like. It's still good every time. Is it just you at the top that says, are you watching episode one again? <laughs> I have the high <laughs> ground. I told you about that. Oh, God, it's <laughs> so fucking good. It's, it's so different to everything else yeah. John Williams did in Star Wars as well. I feel that's like, like I, the least. It's the least Star Wars EP. Yeah, music I remember I watching the trailer and that music was, it was on. on I was it, like, yeah. what? Yeah, that, yeah, this yeah. Is, it this was is on it, yeah. Amazing. I feel like George Lucas said to uh, John Williams, um, John, can I, can I just have to see you in my office for a second? Can you do a track that doesn't sound like you? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm on it. I'm on it, George. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, the thing is, good as uh, Jewel of Fates is, and I, I think that this is just something I always think about episode one. They had it in the trailer, and they had that reveal of Darth Maul in the trailer. They fucked that up by putting that in the trailer. They did. Imagine how, imagine how impactful that would be. Granted, the rest mm. of the film would still be shite. Yeah. But you'd get to that point, and there'd be this just badass moment where he, Darth Maul holds up his lightsaber, and the second beam comes out. You're in the cinema. You haven't oh, seen that in the trailer. That'd have been amazing. You'd shit yeah. yourself. Yeah, that'd have been amazing. Yeah. It, it's like having the. Uh, I am your father revealed in the trailer. What? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, like, I just. Go on, sorry, sorry. Go on. No, you I was go. just thinking when you said oh, about, about how everyone knows that episode one and two are crap, and obviously this we get this song from from the first one, mm. but across the stars is definitely worth checking out from yeah. oh, it is. episode two. It that is. is the best thing from that film. It is. It is it's the main love theme for Anakin and it's really and, nice and Padme. That, that's it. Nothing else, but just which just which, which which ironically the love side story is the worst thing in it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Pure forbidden oh love, that one. That's God, disgusting, that, that love. Badly, <laughs> you have the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon love story, and then you have that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's terrible. Uh, the first the, the first of the prequel. I mean, I mean, the third one's not brilliant, but it's better. It's got better. It's, it got better. It's but, a functional film. Yeah, it works. Yeah. It works. <laughs> but fucking hell, man. What a track. Um, it's To be honest, if I was a professional wrestler, this would be my entrance theme. <laughs> I really want to see you as a professional wrestler. Please, yes. can we make this happen? I look great in a leotard. I really can do. We, can we do. Can we do this at a meet? Yes, absolutely. I've come out to this. <laughs> come just, out to that. Just, with just, just, just to have you versus Deadbeat Punk. Oh, absolutely. It's on. It's on. <laughs> he would fight dirty. He would fight dirty. <laughs> Probably. But yeah, if you, if I don't don't watch the film, just listen to that track. Um, it's really good. It's operatic. It's grandiose. It's just. It's just so good. So we'll move back mm-hmm. down to Stig's final choice. So my final one is, I think I've got a bit of a theme running through mine of kind of saviour moments. Uh, the Battle of Pelennor Fields from Lord of the Rings Ooh. Return oh, of the King wow, yes. by Howard Shaw.
And again, this is one of those tracks and moments that no matter how many times I see it or hear the song, it hits me hard and it makes me well up. Yep. Because it just, it's such an amazing moment. It got the, this battle going on in Minas Tirith and all seems lost. It's like, oh. shit, we're about to lose. Then the horns, you hear the horns. Mm. <laughs> and all the enemies out front stop and they turn and then the music kicks in. It's yes. the horns, the, the music, from the horns of the music start to build up. Yep. And all the riders make themselves known. The riders of Rohan. Yeah. You, you, you get that little hint of the riders of Rohan theme comes into it. It does, as well. yeah. It's yeah. there in the background. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And then you've got the, yeah, but that's the thing as well, that that builds up even more further on. Yeah. And then Theoden obviously gives his big rallying speech. It's like, right. Banging now. on all the swords as he rides yeah, past. It's like, bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Oh, it's just so good. Really good. And then, yeah. And then they start to just gradually, you know, they, they, they don't start off as a, as a gallop. Nope. It just, it's just, just this building up of the horses they start to move out slowly so the horns start to hit louder the horses start to make their way forward then the strings from riders of rohan hit oh and that's when they're going to a full gallop towards the enemy and then it's and then it's again it's just building up and you get that triple horn blowing it's like and it's like that ugly white orcs like after he's all been like stand your ground it's just like looks he's just like fuck he knows. He knows. <laughs> yeah. He knows. He's done for. Is that look of his face? The fear on that guy's face. He's just like shit. And Carl Urban's there, like ah, with his spear in his hand. Yeah. And they're, oh man. And then they just bam. They crash into the enemy and decimate him. It's just yeah, that. And nearly it's all the horses am- fall. <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing build-up. Oh, and so with that good. perfect moment of the Riders of Rohan theme chucked in there, because that isn't a particularly grandiose theme. Mm. No, it's it, it's a very lyrical theme. It's... Yeah, with with the with the violins, it's almost softer softer part of the song, but it just oh man, it's just a I've listened it works, to it twice it? today, it and both times it makes me well up. Like, yeah, uh, but it has to be good because that is such a pivotal point in the story in the the trilogy that can you the film would almost potentially fall on its ass if you had some really shit sound playing for that you know what I mean yeah. they have to get that particular moment perfect it's and because I think, I think especially if, if you didn't if you don't read the book like if you read the books you know it's not the final battle but it feels like the final battle in the film yeah. and it kind of tricks you thinking this is it this is the one this is the fight for Middle Earth but it's not it's so fucking clever it's so good and yeah. it's such a well lit battle as well. That helps. It's, it's not. Oh yeah, that, that was. Oh, it's not like Helm's yes. Deep. Is. No, <laughs> you can see everyone's face. But I'm a big oh, fan Game of the daytime battle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do like that. I mean, Helm's Deep has pretty much an identical moment. Yeah, of course it does. Um, yeah, but even but with, that, the, with, the, with the same people. With yeah. the same people as well as the Riders of Rohan again. <laughs> it's all can just go like, how can I get out of this? Riders of Rohan. It's not yeah, like that in the book. Trust me. It's not like that in the books. Don't, don't expect that. Are they available on Thursday? <laughs> it's a bit more uh, bleak in the books. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's just an amazing piece of music um, for an amazing moment. Um, it's yeah. very similar. It's basically very similar to Endgame. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Fun. You yeah, like it. Yeah, you yeah, like yeah, a yeah. battle, don't you, pal? You really do. Oh yeah. I mean, I wanted to throw out a quick, uh, just a quick uh, shout out to one that was going to be a, yeah. was on shortlisted, and that's a battle as well. <laughs> Hans Zimmer's Barbarian Horde from Gladiator. Yeah, it's ten Ooh, minutes long. Classic. It, it's 
again, that starts so soft because in the film it's like... It's the beginning, isn't it? Yeah, they're in the forest and it's yeah. all like misty and it's yeah. all like it's the calm before the storm. And that is what that track is. It, it, it's a calm, then the storm. Yeah. And then somewhere towards the end it hits the main gladiator theme of like this vic- like it's a victory yeah. theme. And yeah, that's an amazing piece of music. It's like 10, 11 minutes long, but it's well mm. worth sitting through it all. Excellent. Thank you for your lovely choices. Um, we'll move down to Biggie. Your last one, mate. Thank you. Well, what more can I say about this one, really? It's the soundtrack to Train Spotting. The whole fucking album, mate, is incredible. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's so difficult to even just pick a track from this list. I was going to say, you need to pick one so I can put a clip in. <laughs> yes. I mean, I've gone for the obvious one, Born Slippy. Yeah, that's um, classic. Uh, of course you have. got Iggy's Pops, Lust for Life, Left Field's A Final Hit, Lou Reed's A Perfect Day, um, and that's just a few choices what from that soundtrack. I mean, it's such a straight... I mean, I've not read the book. Um, I know the, the book is... You know, is, <laughs> it's not a pleasant um, book, no. No. So I think a lot of people said it was almost unfilmable. Um, yep. They delivered this movie. I don't know movie. how they did it. <laughs> it smacked people right in the face, this movie. Mm. And to help sell it was the, the fantastic marketing, the imagery for this movie. It was absolutely outstanding when you had the posters of the characters. You knew nothing about them. But, um, they made, they made heroin look very glamorous. That was yeah. on every, every student's bed. Everywhere you went, Including you my saw own. Trains. <laughs> yeah, same. As well as Scarface. So edgy Stig. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the soundtrack, yeah. I could, it, sorry, it, I could just is. imagine Stig in his, do, in, in his dorm going, lager, lager, lager. <laughs> No, it, I, I, he was doing it on I the Christmas show last year. And I had uh, uh, Pulp Fiction, John oh, Of course Potter you and, did. Gosh, and, and, yeah. and, and, and what's his first? Samuel Jackson, you're pointing the yeah. guns. Stereotypical Be- posters. Betty Blue up there as well. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's just a good thing that you had those posters up like so soon after those films came out. You know, like, oh, <laughs> ten, ten years later. <laughs> at least it's it, it, it timeless, pop- mate. He actually probably watched them, unlike some people. <laughs> <laughs> It's true, I had seen them at least. Yes. But yeah, train but yeah, spotting, man. Um, yeah, just such a great soundtrack. It, it, it just, again, it was perfect for every main scene in that movie. What did you think they just to got the, soundtrack, um, the right? soundtrack for Train Spotting 2? Because I think it's, it's good, but not as good. So, it, but then again, and they it's ape the same on it movie. a lot, don't they? They ape on it a lot, but there's got a lot of yeah. new tracks on it. That... I was so surprised they did the sequel. And <laughs> well, yeah. You know, it's, it's again, a film that didn't need to exist. No, I quite liked it's it. It's interesting. Though, I like it as well. No, I'm not saying it's a bad film, but like mm. when when it you think when it. you think of a film to do a sequel to, like the la- one of the last things I think of is Train Spotting. Yeah. Mm. What I will say about um, Born Slippy though, the use of that in Train Spotting Two, yes, is perfect. Yes, it's perfect. it doesn't yeah. do that. Or is his uh, Born Slippy? Everyone, yeah, and, like, and play the track. It's when I can't remember the guy's name, the one that shits himself in the first Spud. one. Spud. Spud's remembering stuff. Yeah. And it's almost like just playing in the background. It's an it's an echo in the background, a soft echo, yeah. And that's the most you get out of it. That's the only nostalgia thing you get out of it. They don't just stick that track in there and go, I like it. I like it. 
like it. Yeah, I like the look of the T2 okay. as well. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bold, it's a bold move to call your film T2 when everyone knows that's Terminator. Yeah, it's so good, so good. But yeah, that that soundtrack has been on uh, many lists. Um, I think v- Vanity Fair had it as like the seventh best motion picture soundtrack mm. in history. Mm. Uh, it's ranked uh, in many, many, many. Not other a pleasant lists. watch, but one you should do anyway. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you for that, mate. Um, we'll go on to gadgets. Last one. So I am going to move away from uh, films to video games. Oh, and I want to talk about not the entire soundtrack, but a huge chunk of the soundtrack for Death Stranding. Wow. Yes. Now, I love Death Stranding. We've talked about this before. I hate the books. I the <laughs> you books. do. The books are bad. But the game itself is amazing. And one of the things that makes the game so amazing is the curated soundtrack. So I'm not talking... There is orchestral stuff and there is kind of custom stuff for the game, but there is a curated soundtrack. It's Ludwig Vorsel, um, isn't it? Um, Ludwig Vorsel, I think it is. Someone like that. Who did the soundtrack. I think so. I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, the... So the churches did a song for it oh, God, uh, yeah, called Death Stranding, yes. which was all right. But in the game itself, there are these sequences where Kojima, Kojima goes full Kojima. Oh. And, and, you, and you, you have an emotional cutscene moment or a conversation and you, you strap whatever cargo is on your back and you walk out into the grasslands, into this kind of Icelandic wasteland of the, of the Americas. Mm. And the camera pulls back and you get a bit of text. The song title Low Raw. Low, low Raw. <laughs> yes. And so the one so there's about eight Low Raw songs on the soundtrack. Yep. Um the one I'm gonna hype up is Bones. Oh good which choice. Is the f- first one you encounter. Mm. I know your voice, I know your face. This is something I cannot replace. Give me hope and give me doubt. Well, I loved you then, but I don't love you now. I'm a long way from home. So you encounter that song um, at the very beginning of the game, at the beginning of chapter two. No, the beginning of chapter one, rather, yeah. where the president has died. Spoiler alert: the president <laughs> dies. You said that over a week um, when you were reading the book. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you and you have to you have to because of the because of Plot reasons, you have to take her body on foot to an incinerator yes. so it doesn't destroy the city. Yes. Plot reasons, play the game. It's serious, it's amazing. Um, don't read the book. No. Um, but yeah, this, so this is the oh, first... bad. <laughs> terrible, dreadful. Uh, so this is the first time you encounter one of the Law Raw songs. And so you have, you've got your, the president's body strapped to your back. I'm not making this shit and up. it literally it's looks this. like a body. <laughs> well, it is. It's, a, it's yeah. a body in a body bag. It looks like a mummy. Strapped to, yeah, strapped <laughs> And you walk out of um, Capital Not City yep. and you start walking and the camera just pulls back. And as you start walking up this hill, Bones plays. And it's it's serene, it's sad, it's beautiful. And you don't get any game dialogue. It's a, like it's sound, a, it's a non-combat world, moment as well, isn't it? Yeah. The world sound effects kind of dim and the music is kind of brought up a bit. Yeah. And this happens several times throughout the games. Like when you're heading down to Port Not City, the camera does the same thing as you kind of you've done like a really rough combat area and rough stealth area, and you get this kind of beacon of safety, the city in front of you, and you start walking down this huge. And the sun usually hill, breaks through mountain. as well, doesn't it? 
yeah, mm. the sunlight's come through and the camera pulls back and you get this peaceful bit of music. Mm. And Kojima himself has said, like, these are moments of respite for the player. Yes. You've gone through either, like, a very emotional or very drama-heavy cutscene, or you've gone through a really rough um, a combat section or stealth section or anything like that. It's a moment to, like, sit and reflect. And you're just... You're just you're, all you're doing as the player is you're pushing forward on the left stick and Sam is making his way across the rocks. Like you're kind of almost on autopilot and you enjoy the vista of the graphics. Mm. This beautiful, serene world that's full of drama and death and horribleness. Mm. But you have this moment as Sam where it's just like quiet. The birds are silent. There's yeah. no noises around you. You might hear a babbling brook here and there. And you've got this beautiful Icelandic music playing in the background. And it's... Every time that happened in the game, it gave me goosebumps. Like it's pitched perfectly, perfect direction, perfect timing, and every time it's like Pip would like want to say something to me while I was playing. I'm like, oh no, shh, listen to this. Like it's one of those <laughs> yeah. moments, one of those moments where you will silence your partner to just listen to your video game. I think that's, that's about it. to get um, a PS5 update. I I will buy a um, PS5 on the day that comes out if that is the case because yeah, I'm very it's a, close it's a, to uh, it, it was a it, superb yeah. game on PS4 uh, PS4 um, and it's a superb game on PC I want those 4K 60s and all those Raymond tracings I think all, it's a masterpiece all, all that stuff it's absolutely beautiful I'm game. going back and to I'm, it now I've finished Valheim yeah I, um, I'm, did I ever tell I'm keen you, to do a second play did I ever tell you about my uh, glitch on, um, on Death Stranding on PS4 well, do you know the yeah. um, Bring Me the Horizon track Ludens Really, oh, yeah. really like post hardcore. Um, <laughs> it, we're playing on a loop for about an hour. <laughs> oh, well, you love bringing me there. I do, I do. Happy. But I was like, okay, I, I thought it was like a stylistic choice. I'm like, nothing's happening. And it's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and then I had to like reload my save and it stopped. <laughs> like the BB's all, all happy, like listening to his post hardcore. He's like, oh, it's, it's such a weird glitch. But that's a good song, though. Really good song. Oh, yeah. But yeah, 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 de- de- definitely check out Low Raw because those moments in the game are incredible. But the actual such, Low Raw's music an is amazing. Name for a band as well because the music is oh, like yeah. perfectly described as a Low Raw, isn't it? It's like, oh wow, yeah. so good, excellent. So I think that's just me left now. Um, yep, with a song or track that we've 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 had a Howard Shaw track already, and this is another one. Uh, basically, this means more to me than just the film itself. Um, it reminds me of friendship. It reminds me of the start of a journey or a new chapter in your life. It's a st- would, 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 would one say it reminds you of fellowship? Yeah, a little bit of fellowship. It's, Potatoes. <laughs> it's basically um, just probably the most feel-good track of the trilogy. It's called Concerning Hobbits. The second you hear it, you know which bit it is. Oh, yes. It's, I think it's a beautiful piece. It's just a beautiful piece. It reminds me of watching this trilogy millions, at least once a year with my wife, and just oh, what a what the tranquility of the beginning of that trilogy. Yeah, it's just so 
perfect. And then they bastardized it with The Hobbit. Because <laughs> 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 it's just so frantic, the beginning of The Hobbit, isn't it? It's such a frantic moment. But, oh, God. It just, I, I could just imagine sitting there with Gandalf and Bilbo smoking some pipe weed and yeah. listening to that in the background. It's just... Oh. Bit of old Toby. Yeah, but Leaf of Old Toby, yeah. It's just... It's so... How... It's it, it's like a prelude to everything going wrong, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but as, as as I mean, I said it to you in our Discord chat. It's it's a warm hug in musical form. Yeah, yeah. There's something so innately comforting about concerning hobbits. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And it's 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 obviously it's the theme that's brought up a few times. So you, you get it like at the end of Fellowship, where um, Sam and uh, Sam and Frodo are stood stood on the top of the mountain looking at the. Um, the wasteland when they've kind of yeah. split off by themselves, and you, they're talking about you the Shire, that, aren't they? Yeah, there's a we'll go back there, and Mister Mister Frodo, and stuff like that, yeah. and you get that. Yeah, oh. I was gonna say it's, it's they call back on it so many if times. I can't carry salmon. you. I'll, uh, if I can't Frodo. carry the ring, I'll yeah. carry you. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's true friendship, yeah. isn't it? Oh, it's oh, it's pure love. But uh, yeah, it's that piece of music is even even when I listen to it, I've heard it so many times, and it's just every time it's just like oh yeah. There's I a like bit. It. There's a bit in uh, Return of the King that I can't watch now. I skip past it. Do you know the bit where Frodo's mean to Sam, and he sends him home. Oh yeah, I can't watch that. But I skip it every single <laughs> time. Sam, <laughs> go home, Sam. I can't deal Can with it. Can you imagine um, him composing it though, just trying to get that that one, and then when eventually gets it, it's like fuck yes, yeah, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. yeah. Because it is just so. It's got like a little bit. It's got such so a lovely good. flute sound to it. It's yes. just like oh, it, it sells Hobbitshire yeah, so it well. Does. I, I, I'd love it if that's one of those. If that was one of the. I don't know if this is the case or not, but if it was one of the situations where he happened upon it by accident, like he's just like talking to Peter Jackson about what kind of music he wants, and he says, mm. "Oh, we need a nice theme for the Hobbits," and he's like sat for the piano, going, "What? Da, 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 da. Oh, is that, yeah. that one? Exactly that." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit! What did I play? <laughs> <laughs> It's so different to everything else. That's uh, I have literally today when I was cooking tea, I listened to the Fellowship of the Ring soundtrack. I bet you were smiling, weren't you, when you listened? And everything, to it. yeah, but everything else is just so frantic and yeah. boom, 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 and you've got the da 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 da. Like that's the other yeah. Lord of the Rings one you recognise. Yeah. And but yeah, but then it cuts to concerning hobbits, and it's like this is just so different and peaceful, and and it's it just it's a completely different side of the film. Yeah compared to everything else and it's no more so obviously like when they go back and it's like the war never even touched them they never they didn't even know what was going on yeah like and that's, yeah. that's which is just what the books as well yeah but that's just like what that song is mm. it's the they, rest they, of the music doesn't touch that I song do, it's, I think it's, it's, it's called, thing i think it's called like concerning hobbits like requiem or something like that where when they're traveling to the gray havens at the end there's like a really somber version of it isn't there yeah I, yeah, mm. yeah it's got yeah, a separate yeah, name just, to it I can't remember. It's concerning Hobbits something. Probably Requiem. They always they, say that, don't they? They call back to it like all the time, <laughs> like just little snippets here and there yeah. when like in it. And they, they, they put that song in, like I said, the Hobbit trilogy, and it didn't deserve it because it's a shit trilogy. And it's, it's a really shit it trilogy. It upsets me. Cause... I've got a question <laughs> about the, uh, the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, when would you show that to a child? Because I've been thinking I'm this. Uh, eager between, to watch between it with my eight daughter. and ten, I don't think you go earlier than that. I think it's a bit scary. Mm. Like kids have <laughs> dreams of Gollum. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, yeah. There, there are a few. The ring race. I think, fuck's sake. The, 
Yeah, yeah. yeah, the Screech of the Ring Wraith. She loved the spider. Yeah. I mean, I'm 35 and I got <laughs> yeah. some She loved the spider. But, you know, there's there's a fair bit that I think I the youngins probably pre-teen. could go for. Pre-teen, you should start, really. It depends what they've watched. I mean, if, if, if your kids have watched Hellraiser before this, you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be absolutely fine. But yeah, um, that was our picks. And now, um, concerning um, feedback with, uh, with Gadget, that might be the most clattering link we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, so in the mailbag this week, we've got plenty. People were very fired up about this one. Good. So from Twitter, uh, Rob McElroy at Rob Shack. Movie soundtracks, I love Oblivion and Drive. Mm. The soundtrack made the movie for me. Dri- the soundtrack for oh, Drive is excellent. excellent. Yep. Yeah. I only remember the soundtrack rather than the film most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has put some links as well. If you go to our Twitter, so yeah. all these people have put links to the songs if you want to Very kind out. of them. Yeah. Cool. He, he goes on to say, one of my all-time favourite game OSTs is Prince of Persia Warrior Within. Oh, yes. The emo, the emo middle child God of smart. Prince of Persia soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a game that gets lambasted due to its dark grunginess, but I love it for that, and the OST backs it up. I've listened to it so, so, so many times over the years. Other gaming soundtracks would be the Halo 2 OST. Yes. Another Steve Vai yes. reference there because he did the Mjolnir mix. And a specific game track would be the end credits to Mass Effect 3. Oh, yeah. They, they were a good credit. That was a good credit theme. It sounds very Zimmer-esque, that theme. I don't know who, who yeah. wrote it. I think the end credit, I like the credit music theme, in Mass Effect anyway. End credit theme to Halo 2 is... Breaking Benjamins, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah it's it a really good end. Like, it is a good stream, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> it is. So, so two thousand and four. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, futile exercise at futile exercise says, uh, being a bit of a weeb, I'm going to throw my anime soundtrack hat in the bin. We've got a weeb. Uh-oh. Someone, uh oh. Someone get the cleanup team. <laughs> uh oh, get the spray. Uh, <laughs> can't beat the groundbreaking Cowboy Bebop. Yoko Kano's jazz-inspired seatbelts belt classics, including the harmonica-based Spokey Doki, mm. which almost made me pick up a harmonica. I did. I understood four words in that sentence. <laughs> Only four of them. I should watch uh, it. Uh, yeah. Also, another Kano uh, classic in a completely different mold is Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. The series and soundtrack well worth checking out. Same uh, same composer as some of the uh, Gundam ones. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lee Davies at Leroy Francisco says, uh, going to go for an obvious answer for game soundtrack and say Ocarina of Time. Mm. It's great, and I have so much nostalgia for it. Yeah, but wait, wait. It's annoying. Every time someone says Ocarina of Time, that's the bit of music I hear. It's so annoying. For movies, I'll go Mad Max Fury Road. A lot of people remember this film for its stunts and its visuals, but the score is also great. I can't remember the score. No, I need to rewatch that again. Oh, also, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. Classic. Absolutely. I'll tell you what about that, that, that soundtrack as well, not just the, um, the main theme. The monolith theme, yeah. Yeah, uh, Sprash Zarathustra? Yeah, something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, the, the rest of it, it's, it's so weird and different. Like, some of it's really eerie, and then all of a sudden it's really cheery. And then it's horror. Well, people forget how fucked up like, that it's, film is. It's so up and the soundtrack is so up and down. It's brilliant. Um, I always thought it was Jerry Goldsmith did it, but it's Alex North, and it it really fucks my head because it sounds like a very much a Jerry Goldsmith yeah. kind of a theme. Uh, but moving on to the emails, and this is where we have some detail. Oh dear. <laughs> Nimrod Hicks starts off with "Hi guys and happy birthday to Gadget." Thank you, Nimrod. The last pod was an enjoyable listen, even for me with almost zero interest in biscuits. As long as you enjoyed it and you learned about biscuits, that's all we, all, all we wanted to know. He knows which one's to avoid now. 
Yeah. As for soundtrack, as for soundtracks, Lionel Bart's Oliver is a classic for me and one I know off heart. The use of music in 2001 A Space Odyssey must be mentioned here, and a couple of honourable mentions go to the Pulp Fiction and Lockstock soundtracks. I love the Lockstock yeah, soundtrack. Yeah, I do. Pulp Lock- Fiction. So I think Lockstock good. soundtracks are so better roses. than Pulp Fiction. Mm. I'd agree with that one. Yeah, I think it's so much better. What a great way to end a movie with Fool's Gold. Yeah. yeah. You beauty. <laughs> However, the greatest for me is The Blues Brothers, one of my all-time greatest yeah. films, of which I know every shot, word, and tune. What a film. First, it's a who's who of some of the greatest artists of all time. Aretha, John Lee Hooker, James Brown, Cab Calloway, Ray Charles, etc. Add to this the fact that the Blues Brothers band themselves were amazing, so including good. the legends Donald Duck Dunn and Steve the Colonel Cropper from Booker T and the, and the MGs. Yep. These two sat in on all the Stax Vault sessions for years uh, for that studio and wrote some of the best music ever, collaborating with the late great Otis Redding, amongst others. Oh, wow. They were the driving force behind one of the best rhythm and blues sections in history and are often overlooked. I was lucky enough to see them as Booker T and the MGs twice and have seen the Colonel twice more, even getting to shake the great man by the hand. Hicks is so old. watched it since. He's such an old man. <laughs> he remembers Oliver yeah. when it first came out. He went to cinema to see it. <laughs> so if you haven't guessed by now, my vote goes to the Blues Brothers. Two. Oh, I love... No, 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 no. out. No. Oh man, I love, I, I love the Blues Brothers, and it, it's a film and a soundtrack, and it just reminds me of my dad. Um, so good. As, yeah, it's like he's still alive, but like it just reminds me of him because of sitting down and watching it with him when I was a child, being in the car listening to the soundtrack. Like it's I just, I think Blues Brothers is up there with probably some of the best films you can watch on a Sunday afternoon. I think yeah. it's one of those. After you, after yeah. you roast, sit and watch Blues Brothers. I don't know why it makes me think of this one because it might be the similar styles of music. But if you've seen the commitments, mm. I, I get the same vibes from the commitments as just with a lot more Northern Irish swearing <laughs> um, and the Blues Brothers. But just for that kind of that yeah. soul and blues sound to it. Yeah, they they, yeah. they covered Otis Redding as well, didn't they? And stuff like they that. Did, yeah. yes, they did, yeah. Yes, they did. But so moving on, Christopher Love, Deadbeat Punk. We're going to have to have words because he sent a fucking essay. Oh dear! Is he telling? Hello, Modena's t- espionage. May I start off and congratulate you on your biscuity brawl last week? <laughs> Although my champion was dismissed due to some bullshit semantics of the highest order, I still enjoyed myself through the tears. <laughs> now, insert meaty clapping of hands. You do not give me editing notes. <laughs> <laughs> Soundtracks. I would like to start off with a fantastic Banjo-Kazooie, a game that opens with a musical number as an intro. A blistering display of Grant Kirkhope's talents set to some amazing animations from peak performance rare. Every new level was graphical splendour at the time, and the music only enhanced the experience. It's a game I try to visit at least once a year, just to keep spirits up. I recently treated myself to Banjo's Kazooie album, a reworking of the game soundtrack by the mighty Scar band, The Holophonics. The Holophonics are excellent, incidentally. Mm-hmm. Well worth listening to. It's become my soundtrack to the most menial tasks around the home place. Treasure Trove Cove's music was the song I wanted to lose my virginity to. <laughs> but he doesn't tell us if he was successful. He's still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got owned. <laughs> Is that why he's called Deadbeat? Yeah. Still- oh, biggie. Fuck that out. <laughs> <laughs> Carrying on from Biggie's uh, crassness, uh, for a TV show, The Amazing Cowboy Bebop needs a mention. Another vinyl I gifted myself. Guess the running theme here. Cowboy Bebop's musical genre changed episode to episode. Lazy acoustic guitars can lead to an explosion of big brass orchestras. I've gone out of my way to watch shows just because the composer, Yoko Kano, has appeared on the credits. 
Her band, The Seatbelts, deliver an amazing performance on every piece they've played for the series. I'm beginning to realise that punk is a more verbose version of Hicks. Mmm, maybe they were separated <laughs> at birth. Yeah, the Cowboy Bebop movie, Knocking on Heaven's Door, kept this trend up. It has a chase sequence accompanied with the song, What Planet Is This? I remember being absorbed by the whole sequence on first viewing. An example of the music and visuals blending perfectly into each other. Shockingly, shocking absolutely nobody, I now have to preach about the Blues Brothers. <laughs> Definitely, there's a Hicks thing going on here. Mm-hmm. I caught this movie as a young punkling on late night TV. I had no idea what it was or what was going on, but I was enamoured by the music. My favourite song being Ray, Ray Charles's Shake Your Tail Feather. Yes. Dancing, uh, dancing erupting out into the streets while my band played the number inside Ray's music shop was something that captured my full attention and stuck in my memory. I should say while the band, not his band. Apparently He's not Mr. One of the T is in that, in that sequence. What, sorry? Apparently Mr. T is in that Young Mr. T, yeah. yeah. It was this scene that I described to the knowledgeable movie guru at my local rental shop. As soon as I described the two main characters with black suits, hats and shades, she disappeared into the back and returned with the Blues Brothers tape in hand, passing it over with a smirk and assuring me it was a classic. The second, third, fourth, fifth time watching the movie as a rental, the entire <laughs> movie spoke to me. <laughs> I was a bit older and more of the jokes were landing. I also appreciated more of the songs on offer. James Brown, Aretha Franklin, John Lee Hooker, every song getting under your skin and finding a cosy home in your brain. Stand By Your Man became a popular drinking song amongst my group of friends, often earning puzzled looks from bystanders. I've bought the soundtrack several times without regret. It also introduced me to a world of rhythm and blues I probably would have missed if the movie never existed. I don't think we'll ever see such an ensemble of musical talent in a movie as strong as we did here. You ever need a movie to lift you out of the world, slap a smile on your face, and get your feet tapping? You could do a lot worse than spending some time with Jake and Elwood Blues. As always, I hate Illinois Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's he's given a strong advertisement for the film there. I mean, it's I agree. Excellent. I agree so with good. everything he said, apart from and he'll love that I'm saying this. Apart from the banjo kazooie, banjo whatever it's called, I've never played it, so I wouldn't know. And he'll love <laughs> he'll love that I've said that because he loves to rag on me. So he's, so he's going to rag on the fact that I've never played it. I need to re-watch The Blues Brothers because I have seen it many oh, mate, times. It's so I good. seen it for it's years. It's so good. It's been a while, I must admit. First time I saw The Blues Brothers was Blue Bro- Blues Brothers 2000. No, someone, God. I, I, so, so, someone oh, told me, you mate. should watch the first film. I'm like, But that was really shit. Why would I want to watch oh. the first one? They said, trust me, watch it. And obviously it was amazing. Oh, so but, uh, good. Yeah, why, but why they did Blues Brothers 2000 is beyond me. Money. Yeah, true. <laughs> Uh, finally, we have best boy himself. It's Kurt Lewin. Ugh. Hi, chaps. Easy one for me this week. Hotline Miami by a country mile for me. Ooh, it's yeah. just so perfect for the game, and it's the only game soundtrack I've bought to and li- I've bought and listened to outside the game. Wow. Other game soundtracks I've enjoyed whilst playing both on the new Doom games. Yep, Mick Gordon did some excellent work, uh, and the Mario Galaxy games. But I would only listen to them in game. I do love the Mario Galaxy soundtrack. Uh, film-wise, I've enjoyed many soundtracks while watching the film, but for some reason I couldn't name the tracks unless they're licensed tracks, such as in Baby Driver or Pulp Fiction. Mm. Perhaps the only exception for me would be La La Land, the only musical film I've enjoyed the music in, as I normally hate the music parts of musicals, including Disney films. Yes, I know that makes me a criminal. It does. <laughs> what, what amazes me here is he hasn't mentioned Whiplash, which is a film about a drummer. Mm. With not, some excellent drum work. It's not it. really a soundtrack to it, though. It's just jazz drumming. <laughs> I know. If you like jazz drumming, yeah, might be, but I didn't. Anyway, yeah. Yes, thank you for that one, Kurt. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Is that everything then from the uh, uh, that's a, the news yeah, bag? That's everything that everything the mailbag's empty. Oh, your your poor mailbox. 
our PO box that we've got. <laughs> I know, we're going to have to pay more a month for it. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, thanks, everybody, for that. Um, we've just got a l- few bits of social to do, so we'll take it away, Stig. Uh, yeah, uh, socials, if you wanted to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter, at Modern Escapism. On there, you'll find a link to all our episodes, socials, and Discord. Uh, come come into our Discord. It's really good. Like, mm. get, on, get on the Discord Big train. In um, come in. Yeah. Yeah, Biggie's there. So you need We're to know. There. Uh, but yeah, that's where we, you know, a lot of the biscuit chat happened in there. A lot of the uh, feedback from that in there. So it's uh, it's well worth just coming out. It's popping and get, off. Being part of, part of the community. Um, so there's that. And if you want to leave us any comments, you can do so. Either tweet us or you can email us at modernescapismpod at gmail.com. Yes. And gaming streams, if they're your bag, then we do some gaming streams on twitch.tv forward slash modernescapism. And Saturday, Oodles, are you back this week? I think so. <laughs> I've been so busy. <laughs> I've been so busy. And I'm still shook from last time. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. You need to... <laughs> He's never getting over by. I'm going I'm, I'm to try. I'm, I'm going to try my yeah, absolute damnedest to, to do it. See it through, yeah. and then uh, if you want to take a break between that and the third one, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, if you want to watch Oodles on Bioshock, that's on Saturdays and on Mondays. Biggie's carrying on his playthrough of Dark Souls. What stamina you've got, pal? You've got some stamina. And what what are you two streaming this week? But we're, me and Gadget are carrying on our stream on Wednesday night of that, uh, Dead Space 3. It's such a fucking clusterfuck of a game. It's so funny. Yes. It's as if but... nobody warned you. I know. <laughs> but it's, I, mean, I, I played the game through. I know what happens in the game. And it's still surprising me. It is slightly different on uh, co-op. There's slight differences. Very slight. Very, very slight. Not enough to so we, warrant you... doing it again. <laughs> No, but I mean, I, I mean, you know, this. I mean, this time through, we 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 this week just gone, we had the this sensible moment where we fix a winching system by shooting it with cannons. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> cra- crash landing on a planet, and, and gradually our ship gets taken apart, and people killed and sucked out of airlocks. You know, and the game crashing anyway. Yeah, and <laughs> there's this great moment which I, I just have to bring up because it caught both me and Stig by surprise. Not as a scary thing. When you have that crash, there is a moment. It's quite a visual thing where the guy sitting in the captain's chair in the shuttle uh, gets basically half his head cut off by a bit of flying debris. And like Isaac pushes him out of the way and gets in the captain's chair and all that kind of thing. Yep. Um, and in the further crash, Ellie, who is Isaac's love interest, or rather ex-girlfriend, mm. she gets sucked, sucked out the side of the ship. And it's like the whole thing is to find Ellie. Where is Ellie at? And me and Stigs, so we're exploring through, we're doing the thing. And uh, we get a little cutscene where Isaac spots a body. And he rushes up and says, oh my God, oh my God, Ellie, Ellie. And he pulls up and it's the half cut off head of the first guy that was killed. And he's like, oh, thank God. And he just drops the corpse because no. <laughs> it's not Ellie. <laughs> oh, thank God no and one was injured. <laughs> yeah. the, two, the two of us were absolutely creased playing it. It's, so, it's not intentionally funny, but it's so like funny. Like that scene on Shaun of the Dead was like, oh, we've run somebody over. Oh, thank God it's a zombie. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. It's that pure energy. It's so funny. Oh, it's, wow. I tell you what isn't funny. Blight Town. No, it's not funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, tune in to see. Tune in to see that. <laughs> uh, one last bit of housekeeping. Uh, Gadget and I are going to appear on the Never Watchers podcast 
So this, if you don't know this, is Best Boy Kurt Lewin and his co-host Pete Beckett. And they are doing a journey through the MCU. Kurt has never watched any of them and Pete has watched them all. So they are doing a round um, round table and Gadget and I have uh, accepted to be on there. Two people that are basically the Russo brothers of podcasting. <laughs> yep, and we're going to talk about phase one. So when that comes out, we'll, uh, we'll do a bit of posting of the socials of that Absolutely. so you can check that out. But if you haven't checked it out, it's worth checking out. It's the Never Watchers. Um, if you if you've watched all the Marvel films, definitely check it out. Yeah, yeah it's a good but listen. If, if, yeah, if you haven't, then watch them first. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and hopefully Stig will spoil it all for Kurt. Oh God! Imagine point. if he slips up. Oh my God! I am. I should make sure I bite my tongue so much and not just say like, "Oh yeah," because later in, look, oh, later on, this. I happens. thought you were going to do it then. <laughs> Stig, just have a couple of drinks before yeah, you go on please. the show. No, I really hope. Nothing, I really hope he, wrong. he. I might. I pre-warn him for this just in case he's not really listening and doesn't hear the edit. Hmm. I'm just going to say, listen, when it gets to the first one, skip it. Listen and skip where Gadget tells you to. But yeah, other than that, leave us five-star reviews. You know the drill. Give us those five-star reviews. Five-star reviews because we're worth it. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you all for listening. And thank you, gentlemen, for giving us that oral pleasure. A-U-R-A-L. Oral. Oral. I don't know how you say it, but yeah. Ear pleasure. <laughs> That's an episode title. There you go. Uh, Coming in your ears. And we will. Oh, oh, God. Disgusting. And we will see you next time. And we're going to leave you with a track of the editor's choice. So look forward to whatever he picks. Thank you and good night. Bye bye. Enjoy from the Matrix soundtrack Rob Dugan's Club to Death. The best thing is, Oodles, I'm now recording the Zoom call. No, you're not. (laughs) I am. No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) You are so screwed. Testing, testing. I wonder if this is going to be an Easter egg.